Artemis endeavors to get more women in the field and on the water. To support women as leaders in the conservation movement. To ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Artemis Podcast. I'm your host, Marsha Brownlee. We are very excited to present an Artemis podcast series on inspiring women's leadership and conservation. There are a number of reasons why inclusive conservation leadership is vital to the future of our hunting and fishing heritage. Our lands, waters, and wildlife face significant conservation challenges. Working towards effective solutions must draw on the creativity, expertise, and experience of conservation leadership that includes perspectives from all identities and backgrounds. This leadership series will introduce you to dedicated and inspirational women working in all aspects of conservation leadership. We aim to provide insight into their journey and the work that they do. In the end, we aim to inspire you to step into leadership yourself. Together, we will support the next chapter in conservation and help women ascend into local, state, regional, and national conservation leadership roles. In February, Artemis hosted a leadership training to engage and support women who are interested in learning more about serving in volunteer leadership roles. A part of that training included a panel called Stepping Up for Service. This panel featured leaders discussing what do boards actually need? How do you set off on a path for service? And what is the difference between nonprofit boards and public boards? We present this panel to you here on our podcast, an introduction to our leadership series. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Thank you to the National Shooting Sports Foundation for their support. We hope you enjoy our series, Inspiring Women Leaders in Conservation. Welcome to the Artemis Leadership Series. Um, This is part two, Stepping Up for Service. And we have a terrific panel here to talk to us today about what boards actually need from their members and where to look for opportunities. Um, We will discuss both boards uh, of directors for nonprofit organizations and state boards like commissions and councils for fish and game. If you have questions, please submit them in the Q&A or drop them in the chat. Again, the panel may not be able to get to them today, but other participants might be able to contribute. And as I mentioned before, we will keep track of your questions and either respond after the training or use it to inform future events. Um, So let's go and head on over to our wonderful panelists. Thank you so much for being here today uh, and for showing up as leaders in this space in addition to all the other spaces you show up in. Um, We have a lot to learn from you and we are going to prick your brain as much as we can in the next hour. Uh, Thank you for letting us do that. Let's start by having each of you please take a minute or two to tell us who you are, um, where you are, and maybe a few sentences um, about your experiences with boards. Uh, Camilla, let's go ahead and start with you and then could you pass it to the next panelist, which maybe we can go more in depth. We'll see how it all plays out, but Camilla, go ahead and get us started. Sure, yep. Good morning, everybody. I'm Camilla Simon. I'm the executive director of ECHA, which is Hispanics Enjoying Camping, Hunting and the Outdoors. I uh, am normally in Virginia on the East Coast, um, but today I am in California, so on Pacific Coast time, I'm spending some time with family here. I'm um, really excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation, Marsha, and um, really proud to be among uh, the women of this panel and, and as part of this um, session. And hi to everybody who's joined. 
Um, this is going to be a really great, <laughs> a really great panel. We had some time to talk with with folks um, the other day, and I'm really, I'm really excited about this conversation. Um, so, uh, I think I, I wanted to just share that I'm on a few boards. Um, I'm also, I figure, somewhat a new-ish board member. Although I've been, I've served on the Southern Appalachian Wilderness Stewards um, for six years, and I recently termed off. Um, that was my first real board experience, um, and they made me the treasurer <laughs> within about six months of my term there. And I'll 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 speak a little bit more about that later. But um, I, I served as the treasurer for almost the entirety of my um, of my term, and then I also uh, recently uh, I've only been on the board of uh, conservation and recreation in Virginia for about a year, um, and due to the pandemic. We've only had a couple of um, board meetings, but um, having had that previous board service, I feel really confident on that board. I'm just really proud to be to be into a new board already. And then, um, and then I'll just say, in my professional capacity, I also um, kind of manage and um, and work with an advisory board. And so there's it's a, these are kind of a little bit different than the other boards that I mentioned. Um, so I have some experience on, on that end. Um, I'm going to pass it to Flora. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's terrible to follow Camilla, but I will do my best. Um, I'm, I'm also, I'm based in California as well. Uh, grew up in Northern California and currently live in Vallejo uh, in the Northeast part of the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I gathered boarding commission experience, uh, some at a personal level and then a whole lot on a professional level. Uh, I'm also an avid sportswoman as of a couple of years ago. I grew up uh, camping and hiking. Uh, and then took up hunting when I moved to Wisconsin a few years ago. I lived there for five, uh, five years, but I counted as six because it was five and a half winters, so I round up. Uh, and while I was in Wisconsin, I worked for a couple of elected officials. And one of my uh, roles was as a director of appointments for the governor, uh, which means I got to uh, manage his appointments process taken all of the folks who applied to state boards and commissions. So I'm happy to talk about statewide boards, commissions, councils. Uh, I'd love to answer any questions folks have, although of course it does vary state by state. Uh, I have a personal experience serving on a, on a nonprofit board and it was a very similar experience where I was sort of um, voluntold for, a, 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 for a, an executive position within the board. I uh, was in college. It was a local nonprofit. And I think I just attended the wrong meeting because I left that first meeting as chair of the board, which felt really uncomfortable. Uh, but I learned a lot. Uh, and it, um, it, I think that's not an uncommon experience uh, within, within all sorts of boards. I then later served uh, as, a, as an advisory member of the statewide board in Wisconsin also for a nonprofit um, and enjoyed that. It was less of a working board. It was more of a share your input, call, call in occasionally. 
Um, and then most recently, when I moved home to California, I tried to apply to be on a board uh, for, for a hunting, hunting nonprofit and never got a response back. So I share all that to say that there's a huge spectrum in types of boards, uh, in their scope, and um, how much or how little responsibility you might want to take on. So I will pause there um, and hand it to Lydia. Welcome to Moraldo and Lydia Ancots. Um, and if you can't hear me or if I start chopping out, I'm so sorry. And I can totally turn my video off. I think that that might help. Um, but let me know, <laughs> Marsha, or somebody wave at me if, if I start cutting out a lot. Um, I but I, okay, <laughs> I hope I'm good for now. Um, so I'm Lydia, I'm the executive director of a small nonprofit called Hunters of Color. Um, and we are basically decolonizing hunting and indigenizing conservation or re-indigenizing conservation, I should say. Um, but I'm actually out here driving <laughs> right now, as you could tell. Um, I'm, uh, we're at an archery day and uh, we're, we're, we've teamed up with Outdoor Afro here at the end of uh, Black History Month to do an archery training course and event uh, that starts in about a little, little under an hour <laughs> or a little over an hour. So, um, but I'm glad to be able to be here and thanks to, to Artemis and Marsha for, for having us and for having me. Um, I, when we first had a meeting with all these amazing women um, I, I told Marsha, it was almost ironic because I told Marsha, wow, I feel intimidated by all of these incredible women with all these amazing leadership roles and positions. And I feel, um, you know, I, I haven't been a, a board member for, for many things. Um, and I, I felt a little bit, you know, like in the shadow of these amazing women doing all these cool things. And then the next sentence I said was, I hope that what I can bring to women in this call is that we are so qualified and so powerful and so full of wisdom and, and, and gen generations and centuries of ancestral wisdom that we bring with, our, with us to any job experience or any, any board position or any um, volunteering that we might do. And, and the imposter syndrome that kicks in when I say, you know, oh, I'm just an executive director and I'm talking to all these people who who have amazing leadership roles and, and board positions um it was it was very ironic that that those were two things that I said in almost the same sentence and Marsha said that she wished that she could take the word just out of any any woman's vocabulary because um I'm not just an executive director for a small nonprofit um I'm coming to this call with a lot of experience as someone who works directly with our board of directors and um has has been greatly blessed by by their expertise um there's two i wish i had a slideshow for you but two women on our board who are just incredible um one who's in training to become an astronaut and she also runs two nonprofits, so she has experience in all kinds of of realms and then um and then another uh woman who runs runs her own um business creating equity in the outdoors and adventure um, and, and she's an amazing mom and she has so much, she's put in so much work to her business to raise funds that she's been there for me as a working board member to help me write, write grants, um, and to guide me along. And so anyways, I, I have this experience with, with our board and can tell you how important it is for our board members to be there and that everything that they bring to the table has helped 
hunters of color. Um, and when I say, you know, an amazing mom, her experience as a mother has helped <laughs> take care of me um, as someone who's who's learning and growing. And so I think everything that women bring to these tables is so important and often so overlooked. And I just want everyone to, to feel encouraged by that, that there is a space for anybody um, on, on, a, on a board of directors, uh, board of commissions, um, whether you're an astronaut or, <laughs> or not. Um, and so anyways, that's what I bring um, to, to this conversation. Would love to, to share what boards have meant to me and uh, any experience I've had in this, in this arena. <laughs> um, so thanks so much for having me, Niall and Goa. Yeah, thank you all for taking some time to introduce yourself. And and I think in the four years that I've been with Artemis, um, one thing that I've noticed is um, how hung up women, people are on the word expert um, and what we think it takes to be an expert um, and how unwilling we are to speak unless we view ourselves as an expert instead of really owning um, that our experience, no matter where we are, has value um, and that we can all learn from each other, no matter how many years we've been doing what we are doing. Um, and, uh, and, and that sometimes if you're talking to people who are just starting their journey, um, the most effective teacher is somebody who's just that one next rung up, um, instead of somebody who's, you know, reached the top three times over. Uh, and so I'm excited to have all of you here, um, to have a really great conversation, um, about boards and about how to find opportunities for boards. So thank you for being here. Um, Camilla, I'm going to direct the first question to you. Uh, and again, a reminder to everybody that this is your primer on <laughs> boards and commissions. Um, uh, so set us up um, with a strong foundation, Camilla. What are the responsibilities of a nonprofit board of directors? And then along with that, I think, um, what's a common misconception about what boards need from their members and what's the reality? Okay, yeah, thanks. Um, huh. Uh, well, so it, in my view, the, the primary responsibility is, a, is one that includes a word that is weird. It's fiduciary, <laughs> fiduciary responsibility. I mean, that's kind of the, the, the foundation um, on which your, your responsibility as a board member of a 501c3 um, has. And what that really means is that um, the board, each board member, not just the treasurer, and I tried to um, say this almost every time we reviewed a, um, the month budget or the annual budget or the audit or the tax return, I, I would say, guys, this is, these all these things that we're looking at, like the, the treasurer is partnering with the executive director to present these to you but you need to each individually look over all of these documents and understand them. And if you don't understand them, that's okay. Ask the questions. Um, and so this fiduciary responsibility of overseeing the organization's finances, um, setting the and approving a budget um, with the support of staff, that should be um, a given. The staff is there to support that. Fiduciary, F-I-D, U-C-I-A-R-Y, that somebody asked in the chat to, to spell out, thank you. Um, so it, overseeing the audit and the tax form, which is the 990, 
Um, a, a good place to start is just finding a nonprofit organization that that you know of and you like and go to their website and look under their financials and they should have their 990 there and you can just kind of peruse it kind of looks like a tax return it is a tax return um so there's there's that role the fiduciary responsibility um and then there's the hiring of the executive director um that in this and kind of the supervision and, and holding accountable um the executive director um so those were the two kind of things that that um i just held up in my head like I, I, these two things i need to check off and that's kind of why i was i i was i accepted the role as a treasurer so i thought well i have to do this anyway so i might as well you know lead in this capacity um and learn really uh and i think the reason why um the board wanted me and asked me to assume that role was because not because i had any technical training to review these documents, but I went through them and I, I, I literally asked all the dumb questions. <laughs> like, what is this? Why is it done this way? Wouldn't it be easier if you did it this way? And, um, and, and they, and I guess, you know, they really saw that as, wow, you know, here's somebody who is, is, is doing that it uh, is exhibiting their fiduciary responsibility and is curious and is asking questions and kind of getting to some of the problems or issues that the budget or um, it was the budget at that time that the budget had. Um, so those are the roles. And then I think um, just to add a little bit more to that, I also uh, think that depending on the board and depending on how big or small it is, whether or not it has some committees, it might have a finance committee. Um, ours at Southern Appalachian Wilderness Stewards had um, a finance committee and then um, a board development committee. And then they started having communications committee. And at some point they were struggling filling all of the committees. And I said, and I was like, look, our board at that time wasn't that big. And I said, look, I think we need to pull people back because communications committee is a nice to have, but really the, the role of the board is to is is the finances and, and is kind of general oversight of the organization and not necessarily doing the communications work or setting communication strategy. That's that's the role of the staff. And so, you know, my advice really is to keep keep the roles in mind um you're you know you could be pulled into doing other projects and that would be extra in addition to your role um as a board member you know if you're going to volunteer to do staff work for free that's fine um but just know know what your role is going into it um looking by, by you could look at the bylaws the bylaws of an organization will explain what each um board member role uh is responsible for um and so if you're planning to join a board or if somebody asks you to join a board make sure you get those bylaws yeah make sure the roles are documented they should be documented in the bylaws i would in addition to the bylaws i would also ask to see the financials and also ask to talk with a board member to and understand, is this a working board? Um, you know, how much time am I gonna put in on this? Um, you wanna go in with kind of clear understanding of, of what is gonna be asked of you um, and how much time you're gonna spend. Initially, when I joined SAWS, Southern Appalachian Wilderness Stewards, I understood that it was a working board um, and I, 
on the weekends. So I, you know, I have a full-time job. I had a full-time job then too. Um, and, you know, so I'd put in my time with my organization and then on the weekend I would like spend sometimes five or six or, you know, occasionally more than that on the weekends doing some work for them. So just keep that in mind. And then in terms of misconception, so I think this was mentioned, but I will underscore this. Um, the misconception really is that board members need to be executives or experts like a lawyer or accountants. And I, you know, you'll find literature on the internet that says that, you know, get a lawyer on your board, fine, get a lawyer on your board, but not everybody needs to be a lawyer. Um, and I hope that, um, and, the, and the reality is that you can kind of be like me, where you come in with not an expert in accounting, in accounting at all, but I, I leveraged that opportunity to learn, um, to get that expertise, um, to ask questions. I mean, seriously, ask the dumb questions. They're actually not dumb questions. Um, they never were. <laughs> um, and if you can look for boards that have seasoned professionals, I was lucky enough to be on a board with the former president of the Wilderness Society and um, somebody who just had a lot of experience in how boards are run. So I could learn from him to kind of see how that's done and also kind of shape how the board was gonna be run going forward. So um, hopefully that's helpful, Marsha. Um, and thank you for the question. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. I think you bring up two good points. One is the is that um, if you're offered an opportunity to be on the board, then due diligence um, is is something that you have the right to do, right? So look at the financials, ask the question, sit down with the board member, understand what it is that you're getting yourself into um, fully, uh, and 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 don't be afraid to ask those questions. Um, I do have a follow-up, and I'm, I'm curious, Lydia, if you could address this, because I do think Hunters of Color is in um, the perfect stage where you have an experience of uh, having a working board and then transitioning to having um, a governing board now that uh, you're, you have staff. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about the difference between a working board and a governing board? Yeah, absolutely. So we are in that transition period, we did get enough funding this past year to be able to pay myself and uh, actually one and a half other staff members. So we have one more person who's full-time and then another person who's uh, part-time, um, which is really exciting. And I think it took a lot of weight off of our board um, because for a while there, it was, you know, all volunteer everything. So our board was all volunteer. I was completely volunteered the other uh, we had a couple other people that were volunteering basically full-time um, and the board members were basically helping us get hunters of color off the ground which is a whole nother I mean there should be there should be all kinds of um, uh, videos like this to teach people about how to start nonprofits also because that's a whole <laughs> whole other uh, can of worms that's a lot of work um, and we would not have been able to do this if it wasn't for our board, uh, working board at the time being willing to, to say, yes, I do have experience with finances and can help you with X, Y, and Z. Uh, or yes, I do have experiences with bylaws and with, um, you know, 
um, strategic planning and um, and even you know job positions and roles and, and HR hiring that kind of thing. Um, but it's been it's been great to see that natural transition really from the board having to you know bring all of that all of that experience and utilize it um, a lot. And so I think in startup phases, that's really common um, for boards to be more working, less governance or, or advisory. Um, and now we're able actually, that now that we have staff, now that we have people that are paid to do, um, do budgeting and to do uh, we're able to contract um, actual accountants and we're able to, to I have an assistant now. Um, it's, it's really exciting to be able to now when something comes up and we have our board meetings, now I can ask for advice rather than saying, hey, can someone please help with uh, double checking the budget for the end of year, you know, and, and they'll do that anyways with the fiduciary responsibilities, but it, it's, uh, it, it's been interesting to see that transition. And I think it probably is, and anyone can probably jump in and speak on this too. I think that probably is just a really natural transition, right. From having more working board, board members at the beginning to now being able to rely on them as advisory and governance, um, for, for the further growth and, and the staff members doing more of the actual work. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting and all so important. <laughs> Wouldn't be here without, without our board. So. It's perfect, uh, depiction of the difference. Thank you. And I think, you know, when you, when we're talking specifically about, uh, conservation organizations, I know with the National Wildlife Federation affiliates, we have boards of all sizes, um, or sorry, organizations of all sizes. And so we have some organizations that have no paid staff. Um, they're solely a, a board of directors doing really important conservation work in the state. And then we have organizations that are that are larger and have significant staff. And so then the board does operate much more like um, an advisory board. Uh, and so there are a bunch of different opportunities out there. And um, and as part of the due diligence, I think it's it's important to ask, is this a working board or is it an advisory board? And um, and uh, that will give you a lot of information. Um, I'm going to transition us a little bit and talk about uh, commissions. Uh, I think there's a lot, there's a big learning curve when it comes to understanding commissions and councils um, and, and what they do and what they are. So Flora, um, give us a one-on-one on commissions. What are they and how do they work? Yeah, happy to. Um, I, I'll start sort of big picture with um, the main, main, main buckets and, and types. Uh, and then we can also talk about how these commissions work at a granular meeting by meeting level. So what, what they're like uh, once you're on the commission, because it sounds like folks who have joined uh, the, the chat this morning are, are ready to serve, interested to serve, know that you, um, and like my co-panelists said, um, that you do have something worth sharing uh, that you are an expert um, in the in the skills that you have picked up in life and in your career along the way. And I really want to underscore what's already been said that yes, you, sh you should apply. Um, on occasion, you will be reached out to and asked to apply, but in most cases, and it sounds like all of us have had this experience, um, you will be the one to go and get it. Uh, and there is room for, for, for women uh, on these boards and commissions. We need to absolutely create more room uh, and space and support for female voices uh, and voices of color, and especially for women of color. 
Um, but to demystify the process, I'd love to add my, my two cents of how these boards and commissions work. So at a high level, America runs on commissions. We run on subcommittees. Um, as a country, we've always broken into um, smaller groups so that we can communicate more, uh, more smoothly uh, and so that we can really hone in on, on an issue, on a, uh, an area of expertise and to form a study group. So you'll see that um, elected officials at every level of government are assigned committees that they attend because this is, as a democracy, so far, this is the best way we've determined to get work done. And I'm sure in group projects you've been a part of or um, it, wherever people gather in big groups, at some point you go into breakout rooms, right? Or you go into um, a smaller, more focused discussion and chat. And for that reason, uh, state commissions and boards can be uh, a central hub of information. They really get dive deep into uh, fish and game codes, perhaps, or um, uh, 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 conservation. Uh, you know what's what's new in conservation in your uh, state, in your uh, county, or at your in your city. So I want to be very clear that there are different scopes. Uh, maybe you feel called to a statewide, uh, to serve at a statewide level. Maybe you feel called to really focus in at your city level. Um, there is, there are, uh, um, um, a, a position can be tailored for you. Whatever your interest is, maybe you want to put in more bike lanes in your county. I assure you there is a board of committed, passionate citizens who works on that. Uh, and I want to also underscore how exciting it is. I think a common misconception is that board meetings are really stuffy or that they're hyper formal. Uh, that can certainly be true. It depends on, um, again, the type of board, uh, but there are also really different ways to engage um, where it's not um, uh, so structured. Uh, I'll put it that way. Um, and then let me just also mention that there are three major ways that I'm aware of, I'd love for folks to chime in, but three major avenues of getting on a board. One is being appointed, which is my background and experience, um, where an elected official needs to essentially endorse you and, and then you would serve on that governmental board. Uh, and typically there's a confirmation process. Uh, you've probably seen some televised confirmation processes at the federal level, maybe even at the state level. Um, the second method is to run for a board where an election is involved. So here it's school board, maybe it's your park district board um, where you where there, it's a big or several month process. And then the third general category, I'll just call it a free for all where people uh, really need board members. There's a whole lot of vacancies uh, and maybe there is an application or maybe you simply email the person and say, I'd like to serve Maybe they meet you for coffee and then you're on the board. So there's a whole lot of ways to do this. Uh, in a governmental setting on a boarding commission, it's going to be an appointment. Um, typically there's an application involved and I can answer more questions about that. Um, uh, and then once, um, I just also want to remind folks that there's, uh, if you submit an application, sometimes you're immediately appointed, take that into consideration. On the complete opposite end of the spectrum, it might be years before your application comes up. 
I'm thinking specifically of statewide fish and game commissions. Typically those are highly competitive. Um, there can be hundreds of applicants and, and if the governor is the appointing authority, it would take uh, within their four years of, of time as governor, they might only be able to appoint one, two or three folks during, during that cycle. Uh, so keep that in mind. And maybe that's what you want to do. Uh, and so timing, if you're planning ahead for that, uh, timing can be a big piece of that. And then I'll close out with um, the granular level of how boards and commissions work. Um, within, within the meeting, the chair will run the meeting. Uh, there's an executive team like we covered. There's typically a vice president. Uh, there's a secretary and maybe a treasurer. Um, they might meet more often behind the scenes. Uh, and then the, the, the um, length of the meeting can really depend. If it's a board that meets quarterly, is it a board that meets monthly? Uh, are you on the executive subcommittee where you would meet maybe twice a month? Um, some board meetings take the whole day and there's a stipend involved. Maybe there's reimbursement for mileage. Um, it really, really depends on the board. But I want to say that all of that information is publicly available. If you have your eye on a certain board, go read their minutes from the past meeting. Uh, look at if they do reimburse board members. I am personally of the opinion every board uh, should offer a stipend. Um, they don't have to pay their board members, uh, but it can be an expensive, um, not expensive, but a, but a time-consuming process depending on the board. But again, there is a level of involvement out there for you. Um, uh, and someone said it earlier that you can be involved at any level in any manner that makes sense to you where your point of passion is. Um, there really are um, so many, so many types and such a rainbow of boards and commissions um, that just getting out there and finding the information, um, I think it, it will naturally take you from there in that process. That's great, thank you. Um, if anybody has any follow-up questions, please again, drop them in the chat or drop them in the Q&A. Um, we do have some time, so we will be able to get to some of them. Um, and one that was submitted in the Q&A, um, Camille, I'm gonna direct this to you, but everybody please feel free to, to contribute your thoughts. Um, the question is, when seeking board positions, I realized that so many discuss the financial contribution aspect of being on a board. I have a pretty set budget and don't have much to contribute financially. How do those of us in lower income brackets navigate these financial contribution discussions? Wow, that's a that's a great question and and one that I've actually thought about a lot. Um, um, so that's a question that you'll want to ask a board if if you're having if you're talking to them about joining, um, just to get what their policy is. I know that some places have a threshold where you either have to pay it or or raise it. So there could be a number of ways in which you could meet that threshold. Um, but I think more often than not, what I've seen, and at least how, how I operate my advisory board is like $1 is fine. It's really, the, the reason why I think, in addition to the kind of financial contribution that nonprofits need to, and rely on to operate, um, it's more about when you apply to a foundation, they have a question. 
And this may be a question, you know, the, the, philanthrop the philanthropic community needs to kind of reconsider, but as it, it historically they've asked, you know, how much, what percentage of your board gives to your organization? And if that organization applying for that funding says, you know, 60%, uh, 75%, the question is like, oh, so your board doesn't like believe in your organization uh, 100%. <laughs> enough to like you know put get put some skin in the game put some money in there um and so what we've always said at least at saw is we've said like just anything counts like donate a dollar donate five dollars whatever your budget is we we have a level for you you're welcome please donate that do not feel any pressure that you have to make some big commitment if that's not for you so i would say those are the organizations that you probably would would want to gravitate toward um so yeah, <laughs> but I know that's, it's a, it's, especially if I've always thought about, you know, if you have some kind of asset that can also somewhat be quantified, like if you are working, um, you know, if you do have some kind of professional capacity and you could say, I'm do donating this in kind, I don't know if that would be, if that would qualify. So that would be another question you would ask. But hopefully that's not too much of a barrier. It shouldn't be. And you should definitely kind of push uh, an organization to think outside the box about that um, financial commitment. Thank you. Um, you know, I've heard, I, I can't remember where, <laughs> but um, you know, the three W's that every board needs is wealth, wisdom, and work. Uh, and I think that can be the part of the conversation too, if they're on an organization does need to be flexible, especially if what they're seeking is diverse perspectives and inclusive perspectives. They need to um, understand that they may need to change their expectations and what and how things have been done in order to get that. And that um, there are a number of other W's uh, where we can contribute um, if wealth is not one of them. Um, real quick, I wanna touch base with panelists. If you are responding to, um, the chat, make sure that you're responding to everyone because sometimes it just goes to hosts and panelists. And so then um, the, the community isn't able to see um, your message. So just check on that. Uh, Flora, I wanted to go back to you and scroll up in the chat just a little bit to see if I can find a question. Um, where was it? Ah, um, Flora, nope, that's not it. Bear with me. Was it the one about general qualifications? That yes. <laughs> yeah, I tried to find it just now too. And apologies, I'm. There it is. Okay, general general qualifications. Someone would need to serve serve at state or local government positions and roles. This is going to be my classic cop out answer that it totally depends on that specific board, committee, or council. I will say. Uh, when I was the director of appointments about of the hundreds of positions that the governor had appointing authority to um, I mean it was over 200 boards within those boards there are anywhere from one seat that he could appoint to to 20 seats um, and of so of the thousands of positions he had appointing authority to around the state um, maybe 40% of those were really prescriptive positions. 
I'll give an example. Some of our medical boards, um, you had to be someone with a license for more than five years, or this board needs four cosmetologists and three dentists who are retired. I don't know. I mean, some of them were just really specific. I do think some of the hunting and fishing commissions around the country uh, will require that you have a hunting or fishing license for a certain number of years. Again, all of that is online. That goes for counties and cities as well. Uh, uh, some of them uh, might require that you have lived in the city a certain amount of time. Some of them might require, yeah, that you be a lawyer. Um, but I, I just want to say most of these boards have an, uh, uh, an at-large position or a position that a member of the public is appointed to where you need no other qualification other than being a living, breathing member of the public. Uh, and so there's a lot of ways to get involved. Start poking around on websites. Get a friend to do it with you. If, if that's what's uh, feeling overwhelming, um, apply along with a friend. Um, uh, uh, look around. Um, some of them, some of these boards have had vacancies for years and they will be glad to get your application. Um, and it's a remarkable way to network, to be exposed to these central hubs of information, to share your input. Um, so don't let qualifications hold you back. I'm hearing that repeatedly. I'm hearing that, oh, I need more training or education, that I need to be an expert. Um, there are all kinds of people serving on boards, and I think we can improve the level of quality on some of on many of our boards and commissions. And so the fact that you all are spending your Saturday morning thinking about this, uh, dreaming for the future and planning on it, uh, you are qualified. You clearly care, uh, and that's a huge component of it. Um, uh, so it's just like a job description. Take, take the qualifications with a, you know, with a grain of salt, apply anyway, then you have, um, you have your board application material ready for the next time. Um, and you, you, um, you have a specific toolkit that life has blessed you with. Uh, you, are, you are going to bring input and a new point of view to this board no matter what. So yes, read the qualifications um, and uh, apply anyway. <laughs> That's my advice. I love that advice um, and that reminder is like, don't tell yourself no, let somebody else no. do it. Yeah, make someone else do it and then make them explain why they told you no, because you you are ready for this. It's, um, uh, and again, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you don't go for the president of the Fish and Game Commission right away, right out of the gate. Um, some of the best career advice I ever received was to surround yourself by the people you want to be with those whose knowledge you want to take in. Um, and it's true in work as well. If, if um, in your professional life, if you want to be on a boarding commission, maybe start listening in on these meetings. People love informational and formal coffee interviews, reach out to folks, um, surround yourself, go to their events, um, steep yourself in this subject matter. There's so many virtual ways to do it, which is just incredible now. Um, but there's, um, uh, be, yeah, be, um, marinate yourself in it. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, 
There's a question in the chat that I definitely want to make sure we get to, and I'm just going to open it up to the panel um, as a whole. Um, if you have a response to this question, um, please feel free to share it. Uh, the question is, if you have experienced gatekeeping by other women, will you please talk about how you navigated that? Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, yeah, it, it does happen. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really know how to phrase this, but, um, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it, it hurts more when it's another woman doing it. Um, and at the same time, it's, it's just the nature of group projects. It, it's just like, it's, it, there's personalities, um, um and 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 some women are gatekeepers some men are gatekeepers uh surrounding yourself with what um you know the person you want to be the board member you want to be is part of it um which is not really a very helpful answer but i i, I think it, it it definitely happens i can jump in um if it's if it's okay um, I think this is something that, I mean, it's hurtful when anyone gatekeeps anything. Um, but I think that when I've, when I've experienced it, it's people telling me that I'm, that we're doing things wrong. Um, or like the order of events, like for example, we started running programming, um, and we're just paying, you know, out of our own pockets, um, before we, uh, officially got our 501c3 and I was told by a woman I looked up to that we did that wrong that we needed to get our 501c3 and then wait until we started doing programmings uh, programming but it worked um, and that was one of the hardest things though for me was how many you know you did this wrong this was out of order you needed to raise x amount of funds before you started helping people that kind of thing and that was what was really hard for me um, you know, having a, a woman that I looked up to tell me that we're doing things wrong and telling me in front of a bunch of people that we were doing things backwards. Um, because I don't think that there is a how-to playbook for a lot of these things. Um, and so I think that the best thing that we can do for each other is, is to see, is to watch when even things that we've had, um, uh, experience with when that becomes gatekeeping because we think things should be done a certain way, right? Because there isn't a playbook and there isn't a <laughs> all-knowing answer guide for all of these things. Life is so nuanced. Um, and so I think one of the best things that we can do to avoid that is, um, you know, I, I was just writing a response to Sally who asked if we need to, if, if you need to serve on a nonprofit board before starting a nonprofit. And I was saying no, because I'm living proof that you don't have to, you know, there are people that tell you, yes, you ha absolutely have to. And I think it's probably amazing uh, experience and I, and it probably would've been better for me to have that experience, but um, I didn't. And I'm living proof that you don't have to take a step-by-step -step, um, to get to where, where you want to be. Um, go for it. And that's something that we as women do not do because of imposter syndrome. Um, go for it. <laughs> do what do what you think needs to be done um, and do so obviously in a calculated way 
Um, but if you have passion, you have that for a reason and you have, um, you have people behind you, then go for it. Um, I don't think there's ever any reason to, to block yourself or, or others. Thank you, Flora and Lydia, very much for that, uh, for addressing that question. Uh, hi, Judy. How are you this morning? Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I've been um, diligently waiting till 12.55 to log in with the um, time difference. I put it in my calendar for 12.55. So I am very, very sorry. I'm Other so than sorry. that, I'm great. <laughs> Yeah. Not your fault. No. <laughs> You're, you yeah. clearly said 11.55 Eastern time. I just had it backwards. Uh, time zones are the bane of my existence um, <laughs> when trying to work nationally. Uh, Sorry. No, it's, they are tricky. Um, but thank you for hopping on. Um, and uh, why don't you take us out, bring us home with our last question. What is one suggestion you have for women on finding opportunities to serve on a board or a council? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think for me, the hardest thing is, um, honestly, is finding women who are interested in being on council. So I have to work really hard in, well, I've got a number of boards. So where I sit that I uh, make recommendations or, or point people to. And, but, but people usually bring me like a list of these are our recommendations and I'm all, you know, they'll bring me five people and I'll, every single one of them is a man. And I'll say, are there any women that we could promote or try and include? And, and so it's, it's a challenge because there's not as many women, particularly where I am to sort of draw from, or at least not that we know about. Right. So I think making your, um, self making it known that you are interested or available or that you have these certain skills you know i mean there there are so many opportunities to contribute um but you you know it's it's not that easy to to know who's sort of available or willing or has the time you know, i mean that's some of the the challenge i see with a lot of these positions is Many of the meetings happen during the workday and um, folks don't always have, I mean, this is the struggle I, I constantly wrestle with because, you know, we will pay for mileage or, you know, a small stipend, but these are not paid positions. So people are taking time out of their day, um, usually out of the workday or, you know, for, to, to attend a hearing in, in the evenings. And so it's a challenge and it's a lot to ask of people. Um, and I only have so many friends I only know so many people right in my circle and um and so reaching out to people and letting them know that you're interested and available I think is is the first step and um and then I think you know kind of showing up doing the homework and you know if you have uh I mean a lot of times there are like say public comments that you have to review and and a rule proposal that you might be um you know gonna provide feedback on so do, do the homework before you get there and then um in, you know engage and I find for myself that at least the, the after I joined one board I, I got invited to join like every you know once you start a name and face gets out there people realize oh she can do this she's great and um you'll get a lot more opportunities, I think, but it's that first step that sometimes is a big one to step. And I'll, I'll be honest, like, and I said this to folks just the other day, as a, as one of the few, and this is so typical, I think, of a, of a 
our, my gender, female gender anyway, um, you know, I'm one of the few state directors that's a woman. So I get, I've been invited to be on all these boards and <laughs> I totally undermine myself and say, oh, I'm just invited because I'm like the only woman and they need a woman. There's not that many other female directors instead of being like, no, I'm pretty good at this stuff. I know what I'm doing. Like I, I deserve to be on this board. I'm not on this board just because I'm a woman, but in my head, like I still think, well, I'm, I'm just, I was just invited to be on this pretty, pretty awesome board because you're one of the few state directors that are women and they need, you know, they need more women. So, but, you know, that I think is one of the failings or one, not a failing, but one of the challenges that women have is we tend to undersell ourselves or underestimate our abilities and capabilities. So, um, you know, get on that board. And this is the other, my other bit of advice is the first, first board I ever went to and we sat at a table um and and I didn't know you're supposed to sit at the table so I sat outside the table and somebody told me you've got to sit at the table but so I'm like all right so and and then you know I got some guidance I said sit at the table and use your voice and it's taken me a long time to learn how to use my voice right to speak up so my uh recommendation to folks is to to get on a board and then use your voice and speak up speak your mind um, you know, come ready to engage and prepare and, and really you'll be amazing. And, um, and, and then there'll be all kinds of other opportunities, whether you, probably more opportunities than you want, but there'll be lots of other opportunities, um, presented, I'm sure. I don't know if that's even that's close perfect. to answering your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. And I think you're right. I think, um, what I've noticed, uh, both in, in leadership and in just general advocacy um, the second a uh, sportswoman raises her hand and says, I am interested in getting engaged, um, yeah. opportunity is not going to be the problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, too much opportunity sure. might be the problem. And then learning yep. how to say no um, is definitely a good skill to have. Yeah, it's not easy to do. No, it's not. Somebody uh, knows the trick to that. And I'd love to hear it. <laughs> or knows, and, and there's a transition. I've definitely gotten better at it the older that I get and the more experience that I have at it. But there's a transition to where, um, so so where you where you don't say it and you're not comfortable saying it to where you do say it and you're not comfortable saying right. it. Right. Well, yeah. I'm hoping finally yeah. where you yeah. say it and you're comfortable saying it. Yeah. Still waiting for that one, but uh, be kind to yourself during that transition. Right. Um, yeah. Lydia, I wanted to give you an opportunity to mention um, the opportunity that you have. Yeah, we did just um, open up another position because we hired um, one of our board members who is now <laughs> uh, a staff member. So um, we have uh, we have an open board member position um, and I put my email in the chat and I hope that Marsha can share my email with any anyone who attended as well. Um, I don't know if that's in the works, but would love to be a resource for people in the future, especially about anyone who's interested in nonprofit work as well. I'd love to share how we did what we did and how um, things that went well and things that didn't go so well. Um, but we do have a board member position open. And the last thing that I wanted to say um, that I mentioned to the group of panelists before is that um, I met with a woman named Leslie who runs Loa Boots in the United States of America. Loa is a hunting boot company or trail boot company uh, based out of Europe, but she she runs all of the US line. And she told me just last week or the week before that she gets so many resumes from women to, for jobs that 
they have like apologies on them. They'll say, sorry, I don't know if this is what you wanted. Or like, I feel like I'm not qualified. Sorry for even applying like that kind of thing. So women, and to look at the resume and be like, wow, this person's incredible. This is exactly what we we need. But their resume, they, they're apologizing before even, you know, starting the job or even uh, having an interview. And then she'll have resumes from their male counterparts and who are just so confident and know that they're the ones for the job. And then they'll, she'll read the resume and be like, wait a minute, you're not qualified at all. <laughs> and so she's looking at these two resume, these different resumes for the same positions. She's like, man, if, if women had that confidence. So what I'm saying is even if you feel like you don't have it, fake it till you make it, um, apply with confidence to these sorts of positions. Even if you're like, hey, maybe I didn't, maybe I'm not qualified. Don't tell them that. Tell yourself, yes, you are qualified because you are, and they need, we need more women's voice and leadership, especially in the outdoors. So you are qualified, believe it. And if you don't believe it, fake it till you make it and you will, you will be qualified. Um, but we need that confidence um, as women in the outdoors. And I'm glad you're all here. And this makes me really excited to see all of you um, being interested in this. So thank you so much, Marsha and Artemis for having us. Yeah. That is the perfect note to end this panel on. Thank you, Lydia. Um, Camilla, Flora, Judy, Lydia, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Um, and we did have a question from one of our attendees uh, about leaving email or contact info for everybody, panelists, participants, if that's something you're comfortable dropping in the chat, do so. Um, and, and we will keep track of them. And, uh, and also feel free to email Artemis at nwf.org if you're particularly interested in getting in touch with somebody um, and I'm happy to connect you. Um, thank you for this wonderful panel. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your insight. Um, it was wonderful having you here and we will see you all again soon. Thank you all. Um, thank Thanks you. everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, bye. bye. bye.